0: Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is one twenty-two, two thousand and twenty-three, and we're continuing with our worship service with the thought of the week and prayer. Go right ahead, uh, Dave. Thought of
1: the week: Many Christians make the false statement that they believe the whole Bible. Although I know very few Christian groups who will confess that they only believe half or only some of of the Bible. This is a fourth statement in search of a hearty amen. However, we should take a closer look at this statement. Every Christian should believe that the whole Bible is the word of God. At the same time, every Christian should believe that The whole Bible does not apply to them personally. I firmly believe that the stories about Moses and the Israelites, but I know that I am not an Israelite or will ever be. I know and understand this already, but I must say it. The whole Bible was written for us, but not for or it is written to us, many views the old statement thinking true so that they can and choose to obey what seems right to them. This is not rightly divided, the word is true. From one Christian group to another, they carry pick the commands from the Old Testament that seem logical and fix them into the New Testament requirements. Then they preach that this is as the inter, interrupt the word of God. You must rightly divide the word of truth. Okay.
0: Hold on, Dave. I think I'm you sorry. might have missed something
1: I'm there. Sorry. Uh, I missed something. I missed a statement. I missed a sentence. Let <clears throat> go back. For one Christian group to another, they cherry picked from the Old Testament that seemed logical and mixed them into the New Testament requirements. Then they preach this as the Christian way of life. Let me settle this now. For us as a church, you are not under the law, but under grace. In order, in order to properly instruct inter, the word of God, you must finally divide the word of truth. Allow God to shift his dispositional years if he desires. The church does not have the same purpose as Israel. We shouldn't try to put Old wine is to to do wine skin because it only makes a mess. No a wine, no new wine must be poured into a new wine skin. Yeah, if we as Christians we should um write the word to, to to understand what the Word of God says. A lot of uh, religious groups believe that the old covenant and the new covenant is the same. But they don't understand dispensation. So as we look at the word of God and we divide the word of truth, we should understand through the ministry of the past teacher under dispensation that God is not looking at us to look at the whole Bible as one. We should simply divide and make the corrections as needed. So this is the report, this is the vote of the week that we should rightly divide. The word of truth. I believe we have a prayer to give us prayer.
2: At this time, uh, uh, I'd like to list uh, uh, prayers. People in need of prayer. This is Myers, the uh, Myers family. Do so, any others? to the throne of grace <clears throat> thank you Heavenly Father Lord for the opportunity Lord to to live life and approach you Lord and through the Spirit Lord that we have constant and all access to our life. grateful Lord for blessings of life health and strength um, which we sometimes we take for granted, Lord. And um thank you for keeping us, Lord. And we could not draw our next breath without your marvelous grace. Lord, I wanna take this time, Lord, to pray, Lord, and uplift you and the family of BJ to bring this cousin, BJ and you know, who just passed away this very moment as you she is Entered into eternity, asking Lord that you comfort the family. Uh, That would be Brenda and her entire family. Uh, BJ, um, would you comfort and keep them as they go through this time of mourning their lost one. Also asking for prayers for the Myers family continually, that you would strengthen and keep them. And you know, what their needs are, and Lord, asking that you come by them and see about them. Thanking you, Lord, again, for the word is truth, asking you, Lord, to bless the pastor. Uh, In you, Lord, to guide his hands as he marches forward, Lord, to the state when we we can release this book that I believe, Lord, will, For those who have humility to look, praying, Lord, that you would open the hearts of people and believers that they might hear this message of this book and thereby just to consider what it says, asking that you bless all the families associated with the word is true, Christian church, and continue, Lord, to keep them. Thank you, Lord, for this glorious grace that you have given us through sonship and adoption in our Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. In Christ's name,
0: amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Fred. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. We are continuing where we left off. We did not, I think in John chapter 17, we did finish it. We went through it, and I think we did a, uh, I think at the end, we sort of rushed a little bit. There were a couple things that I thought, in closing, I would have said, but I didn't want to take too much time. I felt like we got another week coming, if God wills, and we're still here. I will cover those closing points then. Um, so before we get into our Galatians overview, that's what we are calling it because we're not focused on every verse, but we sort of are, but we're, we're not going to cover it in the detail that we would have, but, um, it's sort of an overview, but just looking back at, um, the last couple verses in John chapter 17, let me read them for you. Righteous Father Though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So this, especially this last verse, we just want to focus on a couple of Thoughts here. No notes. We've got all the notes that we are going to make on John 14 through 17. But just some closing thoughts. And what Jesus is saying here in his last words in prayer to the Father are that they would know, and that would be us, that we would know. Uh, We will continue to make you known, right? Keep the teaching going. In order that the love you have for me may be in them. So the love that the Father has for Christ is, is understood by the Father investing everything in the person of Christ. That is... The thought, he has invested everything. This is the eternal purpose of the Father. This is the highest priority. Now, you are to understand this is all by grace. Right? God has given us this calling, and it's because he chose us in him before the creation of the world. So this is important for us to understand that what God has invested in Christ He is also invested in us. So that is the closing words here that Christ wants us to know. That in order that the love you have for me may be in them. You should know this love that goes past our understanding. It's greater than we could even think or imagine because we would not have considered what God has done for us in this church. So this is not just an investment. When you invest in something, you trust in it. Imagine investing in a stock. You you, you wouldn't just pick any stock. You If you invest in a stock, you do so with forethought and knowledge that you're going to trust that this stock is gonna do what you intend it to do. And you even put your money down where your mouth is. You say, here's the money that I would invest within this stock. And I think it's going to do what I... And if you win or lose, obviously we know we could lose it. But what Christ is saying here is probably a bad analogy, but what he's saying here for, for the Father, the Father has invested all of this in the person of Christ. But it wasn't only that he would invest it in the person of Christ. He invested it with the thought that we will be a part of who he is. So this is the Father's eternal purpose. He trusted us with this, with the very heart that he hid from ages past and generation. He trusted us with this information and that we are the recipients of this information. I think it's important for us to note. And then he says, the last phrase is and that I myself may be in them. So Christ in us is also a reference to the fact that he extends his trust and confidence in us. The fact that we are in him as a part of what the Father has invested in him. So when we think about it that way, not only is it Christ's recognition, but it is also the the example of how Christ responded to the love of the Father through his devotion and commitment, his humility toward the Father's plan in this world, how he was laser focused on what the Father wanted him to do uh, in this world, and he you know saw the mission, the work that the Father wanted to uh, complete through him. And he said, I have finished the work which you have given me in the world. So now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So Christ responds to this special plan, this hidden mystery plan that is now revealed with love and humility and commitment. In honor for the Father. So as we close this, we it was a, a pursuit that we undertook uh, many years, and we covered the, this last discourse. And we really could have backed up to chapter 13 as well. There was much more, and even 12 in there. But we capped it off at 14.1, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he goes forward. But I would say all of this information is, we took time to focus on each verse, each phrase, even down to each word in some cases that were relevant. And I think it's something that we have now as a part of documentation as to not only the introduction of this new age, but some of the important dynamics that God pointed out through the person of Christ that will be a part of our experience in this age. I think it's important. It sets the tone, it sets the tenor, uh, the tenor of how we should not only understand but respond in this age. So, I would say it's a matter of commitment for on our parts. Focus, attention to detail. Um, We don't want to be like Israel was. While they had all this information about grace and what their responsibility was before God while they were in the world and how they failed at this attempt and they wanted their own way over God's way. It didn't matter what God, eventually God called them on it and he brought judgment on them as a result of their disobedience and stubbornness so we want to receive this revelation from God as if it is our lives depend on it it is our focus so whatever you're doing in your spiritual life and I don't make it a point to, to talk about your spiritual growth to the extent that hey you gotta grow up yeah you, you know that That is my goal, that we might all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. You know that's the goal. But I would say, take take time in this new year to focus on your spiritual growth. How are you handling this information? Do you see what we have accomplished? Do you see the points that we made? Have you been focused on this information. If not, it is still your choice to do whatever you think is right for your spiritual life. Because I will not stand at the judgment seat of Christ on your behalf. You will stand on your own behalf. So this information, this knowledge, what God has given us, is it clear? Is it what God has told us? Is it important information? Well, you have to determine that. And you have to make decisions to focus on this attention. And we've made this information available through Dropbox, the website, other means. And it is your responsibility to take advantage of this information. If you believe that it's coming from God, it's your responsibility. And how you handle this information will be just as you have decided to do for your, your spiritual life in this world. So I would suggest that you get behind whatever means you need to do to to make sure you avail yourself of everything that you can from God while you're here in the world. We could easily say when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, nothing else matters. Then the only thing that's going to matter is how you managed this information. Now, it doesn't have to come from me. I'm just one teacher out there who is focusing his attention on the Word of God. It could come from somebody else you choose. So that is your choice. You are responsible. And like I said, when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, whatever was going on in this life for you, <laughs> nothing else matters but this information, how you managed... This information while in the body. So John 17 laid out some glorious things. We went to some heights and saw the glories of this new age that is dawning, that well, that has dawned upon us now. So the, the rest is up to you. And it's your responsibility to make sure you take advantage. Of this information. So, with that thought, the closing thought, we will move to our next undertaking, which will be an overview of Galatians. So, here we are. You should have notes. We're in the book of Galatians now. <laughs> That's going to be weird to say to open your Bibles to the book of Galatians because that is where we now are. And let's, let's dig in here. Um, you should have notes. one, twenty two, twenty three. 23. As we launch out into Galatians chapter 1, our hope is, uh, is to be familiar with the foundational material before us. This book has themes that are rich in our understanding of grace and living the Christian way of life. It's been about 12 years since our last focus on the book, we will do a chapter review of each chapter to remind us of the content. So here we are in Galatians chapter one. And we're going to, you know, I'm going to, Some sometimes I may take more verses than one, but at this point we'll, we'll just go along with, and we won't, you know, an overview is just that. We won't try to dig in and I know we, at one point we said we were going to do this in Revelation. This is, <laughs> We said, this is going to be an overview. And we started off with it being an overview, but we quickly focused like a laser on every verse I remember that was before us. So what this turns into will be what it is, but uh, we're going to give it another look. So let's dig in. Galatians 1.1. 1, 1, Paul, an apostle. Sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. So, let's. I just will comment a few points on each of the verses that are before us, and here we go. As we open, God sends his greeting to us through the Apostle Paul. So, this is interesting. Uh, this first point is to say that even though Paul says, you know, he names himself an apostle, right? But then he tells you who sent him. Not by, from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. So he's recognizing that it's, it's not his information that he's about to tell us. This is from God. He's only somebody sent from God to tell us. I, I, I like the, the opening because it tells us his greeting is he who he is but he he is also to us. It it, is not Paul's writing, it is the process of what we call theonustas, or it be this information is God breathed, meaning God breathed his will into the apostle Paul, his purpose, his plan. And Paul exhaled the Word of God. This is how we say the Word is God breathed. And that's how we understand it. God used the Apostle Paul through Paul's personality, his religious training, whatever Paul's understanding, his analogies, to breathe out the Word of God, to exhale. And this, when we, the exhale is the result of what we might say is the Word of God. So point B, Paul receives this revelation from our Lord, Jesus Christ. And we know we know the spirit of truth is also involved in this disclosure. And the Father and the Son are mentioned. So this is interesting when we think about Jesus said the spirit of truth, he shall not speak on his own. In other words, he's not going to make a, a case for himself. This is John 16, 13. He shall not speak on his own. <coughs> he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. So we know the Spirit of Truth is involved in this, but he's what we might call a silent partner. He's not always mentioned, you know, like, oh, this comes from the Father and from the Son. But we know the Spirit is there because he's not making an issue of himself, but he's definitely there helping us with our understanding. Of the Word of God, right? He, he's the one that inspired the Word of God, and He's the one who helps us understand what what was written and what it means as well. So, I think when I think about the Holy Spirit, Him being like somebody who is not the forefront. We don't we don't sit here and praise be to the Holy Spirit. He's He's not looking for us to do that. Now, if you recognize his hand in your life, you can can certainly be thankful for his ministry and how uh, he has brought this understanding. But he wants you to know that it is not his information that he is elucidating to you. It is the Lord, the mind of Jesus Christ. We have the mind of Christ because of God the Holy Spirit. We would not be able to understand these things from our human intellect or emotion. It is only by means of the Spirit that this information has been made known to us. So the fact that he's silent, I'll just say this last part about it because I could I could want to say a lot more. But the fact that he's silent means that we're not to look at him, but because he It it can almost be when we receive information from the Spirit, you know what we might do? We might think it's us. We thought of that. We had that revelation. We had that illumination in the Word of God. And really, it is how closely the Spirit works in our lives. So just be careful to understand God's communication plan. The father invested everything in the son, and the son says, okay, I'm allowed the Holy Spirit to reveal. I'm going to send. The Holy Spirit's job is to send this information to us. It is most important that we maintain an attitude of humility. Because the Holy Spirit's not saying, hey, hold on, I told you that. No, no, that was me telling you that. That was me all the time. He doesn't do that. So it is important for us to maintain an attitude of humility in all of this. Because who are we apart from God the Holy Spirit? Who are we? Well, I can read it. We are dead in our transgressions and sins in which we used to live when we followed the ways of this world. And the prince of the ruler of the air who is at work and knows who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh like the rest We were by nature objects of wrath. That's what it says about us. So is there something in there you'd like to boast about there? Then make your boast that, because that's who we were. Now, with the Holy Spirit, we can not only understand the gospel, believe the gospel, but grow to maturity. That is amazing. So let's see, point C. We're moving forward in our notes. I can't spend that much time on every point for sure. Even though Jesus was crucified, Paul acknowledges his life and he continues to build his church. So he says, "This I'm not sent by, by men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. No, widows raised him from the dead. It's just to say... He's alive. He's not somebody who's in the ground that we can talk about his speeches and things that he said and as a memorial. No, he's alive. And the information that we're learning comes from him through God the Holy Spirit. Paul acknowledges the system of communication as well. All in the greeting. Point number two, <clears throat> Galatians 1-2. And all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Okay, so notice I don't think I put this in the notes, but I thought it. And I obviously didn't write it, but there were other churches. It's not just like one church in Galatia. There was churches, plural, in Galatia. So, just keep in mind, this was bigger than the the, the one little church that Paul would go to when he reached that region or when he reached the region of the Corinthians, you know, or Corinth, that there was just one church. There were several, probably, churches that were there according to this. <clears throat> that was my first thought. Obviously, I didn't put it in here, but that's okay. So, the point A, 2A, Paul mentions the brothers and sisters. Now, I note just wanted to make sure. I know the NIV uh, makes it a point to to put "and sisters" with him, but Paul just uses the word "adelphos," which means brother. So there is no sisters there. It doesn't mean there are no sisters that he's addressing in this greeting, because there are, but he is just mentioning them. As a general term, the brothers. Paul mentions the brothers with him. So the and sisters is not found in the Greek, and brothers is a statement that reflects on those who are in Christ, those who are saved in Christ, which includes brothers and sisters. So what does the NIV do? It tries to interpret, not just translate. This word adelphos, it tries to interpret it. Is only is he only greeting the brothers? No, he's also greeting the sisters there too, and they ought to read this as a greeting to them as well. But he's meant he, the word he uses is a general word for us to be in Christ. A brother is somebody who was in Christ, brother or sister. So I just wanted to point that out. Just no, nothing. No axe to grind or anything there. Point B, Paul did not travel alone. He had those loyal and devoted believers accompanying him and assisting him in the work of the gospel. Uh, So when we say he didn't travel alone, um, we should know that there were others Paul traveled with. Paul, Barnabas, Timothy, Titus, I could name a few. But there were definitely others uh, that were there, that were were part of Paul's entourage, you could say. And I thought I put in here that there were some... I thought I put the verse in here. I, I, I don't know why. It's, did I put it somewhere else, maybe? But let's go to Galatians chapter 2. I'll just mention the verses. Maybe I'll come across them again. But Galatians chapter 2, verse uh three, and we're going to look at verse nine so Galatians two three yet not even Titus who was with me was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. So notice Titus was with Paul. The greeting says, In all the brothers and sisters with me or you know so people that were traveling with the apostle, they were with Paul in Galatians when he visited them. Or, or when he wrote the letter, we should say. Uh, so this matter arose because some false believers infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. Slaves to what? Slaves to the Mosaic Law. But skip down to verse 9 because I'm just focused on this point and we will come to all of these passages that we want to like, whoa, let's talk about that a little more. If we did, then we would not be focused on chapter one. But in verse nine, he says, James, Cephas, and John, Cephas is Peter, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they, uh, when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So we know Barnabas was there as well. So we're, we're gonna get to an issue where Paul confronts Peter. And he even says, and even Barnabas was pulled into this hypocrisy. We'll get into that later. But, so we know Barnabas was also there with the Apostle Paul as well. So just to keep in mind when Paul says to all the brothers uh, and sisters with me to the church of Galatia. So he's, he, he's representing not just his own, but there are those who believe Paul's message that he got from God. So uh, that was the point B. Paul did not travel alone, right? That's the thought. So let's go to Galatians 1.3. See, we're moving through this pretty quickly. Galatians 1.3, Grace to you and peace from God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just to note, you, if you've been with me through a lot of books that we've covered, you know I don't spend a whole lot of time on the introductions. I just feel like We'll cover what we do cover, but I'm not going to be going into this whole, let me give you the background of Galatia, and let me tell you all the stuff. You know what's important is what Paul wrote in the Word, and that's what we're going to get to. That's my focus, usually, as I approach these books. So let's get get to verse 3. as Grace and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the greeting. So first thought is grace. One of the most important words in the spiritual life is grace. And Paul has used this in many of his books. If you look at the 13 books Paul wrote, you probably will see him referencing some sort of greeting, using, including the word grace. So to keep that before us, keep it in our understanding that grace is such an important way of thinking, not only, um, well, let's just read the point A, grace is the most important words in spiritual life, we are saved by grace, and we are sovereignly called by grace to be in Christ before the world began, how important is that, I mean, for that to be a greeting is to say, wow, this is a heritage of who we are in Christ it's about grace and maybe that's a greeting that we should pick up when we meet one another grace to you and peace, let's talk about peace point B, peace often characterizes the meaning of reconciliation with God which believers unbelievers do not have, read Romans 3, 17 and 18 for this thought Romans 3, 17 and 18. It's all the stuff that it says about unbelievers or those who are unregenerate, those in Adam. It says in verse 17, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is to say they don't care anything about God. And the way of peace, peace means reconciliation. The way of salvation, they do not know. They don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our mediator. He is our peace when it comes to reconciliation with the Father. They do not know. So peace here, so think about it. We're talking about grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So those two words and the meaning of those two words pretty much spell out the whole understanding of who we are in Christ. If you know, if you have been taught about grace, and if you have been taught about peace, those words will mean something to you. Grace and peace. So point C, moving forward. This is 3C, by the way. The Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And this is that one phrase at the end, the greeting is complete with the Father and His Son, which speaks of the eternal purpose of the Father. So when we when Paul when you see in the New Testament, glory, praise to the Father and His Son Jesus Christ, for God for, for Paul or others to mention both the Father and Christ speak of this new age information that has been revealed and the plan of the Father who who has invested everything in the Son. And now the Son is administered in the world. He is Lord through the communication plan of the Holy Spirit, so the Spirit of Truth. So it speaks of the entire plan of God. I'm not just making something of this. Because you didn't get this greeting in the Old Testament. This is new information. But it's not just, hey, by the way, good day to you, or, or how are you doing? Uh, it's, it's a better way to, to greet fellow believers in Christ who have the same inheritance and heritage that we have. So it is another way to say, even when we talk about the Son, the Father, grace, peace, right? all those things, brothers. These are terms of endearment that should draw us in. Point number four. Point number four. I'm looking at, oh yeah, we got plenty of time. Point number four. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So he's... He's writing this letter to the Galatians. And we know already that the Galatians have, as we would say, drifted off course from grace. He says a lot of things about them. They were foolish to have begun in the spirit now think that they could be perfected by means of the flesh. I mean, there's all kinds of things he's going to say about them. He's troubled. But right now, he's helping them uh, try to get back on the footing, the foundation that uh, they had when he preached the gospel to them. So this is important. It's, these are words to remind them of where they have come from and who they are in Christ and in the world, right? So he says, gave himself to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So speaking of Jesus Christ... Paul mentions how Jesus was engaged in our redemption. So this is part of the plan he redeemed us from this present evil age. And without his saving work where where would we be? We would all be lost in our dead as as it were in our transgressions and sins. That's we the first objective in the spiritual life for all of us who are in Adam, is to be, be saved. And, you know, I used to play with words on this. I used to pick up Shakespeare. Now, don't ask me to quote where this came from and all that. I just remembered the phrase, to be or not to be. That is the question. I think, I think Shakespeare said that. Somebody will correct me later if I'm wrong. But but that is the quest of the Christian way of life, to be. That is the question. If you are saved, if you've accepted the free gift of salvation, then you be. And if you haven't, then you are not on the scale yet. You're not on board yet. To be or not to be, right? That is the question, right? To be saved or to be lost, that is the question that is before every human being on the face of this planet. So that is important for us to consider. Um, point, Point B not only was the Father engaged speaking of his plan, but so was our Lord. Right, the Father is the one who sent Jesus Christ. This is what it says, according to the will of God the Father. It was the Father; it was His plan. So when we think about the plan, we're we're not only saying that the Father uh, didn't had the plan to the the whole plan before creation was the Father's eternal purpose. So salvation of the salvation of man. The fact that man was created with free will. The fact that the Garden of Eden and all of that was the Father's plan. That was the Father's plan in action. But he held back some of it when it came to the mystery. Even Christ creating the world, it was all done through him as the creator. He's the creator. Is part of the Father's plan. The whole thing is the Father's plan. Certainly, redemption is salvation is a part of the Father's plan. So I'm just broadening our understanding a little bit when it comes to this. So not only was the Father engaged, speaking of his plan, but so was our Lord. He was not just following or... Oh, did I skip ahead? I sure did. I'm sorry. That was... some of the snap. That was what I need, a slap on the wrist here, getting ahead of myself. Uh, so... Wait a minute. Let me see. He gave himself according to his present. Are oh, we in for? I'm lost, right? So, point B is that Christ wasn't just following orders. That was what I was supposed to read. Somebody help me here. I'm lost. But so, so point B. This is four B. That's where we are. Um. That is that is the thought. Am I in for B? Hold on. Seems like I'm missing something here. Hold on. You know, yeah. I think we did A. I'm sitting up now. And now we're in B. Not only was the Father engaged, speaking of his plan, but also the Lord Jesus Christ. He wasn't just following orders. Okay, now I'm back on, back on track. He wasn't just following orders. So w- what I am to say in this point is to say that when Christ had the humility to be obedient and he was the one who the sins were going to be poured upon and all he had to drink the cup and and then he was raised from the dead christ did follow orders he did exactly as the father has commanded him but what we realize in the person of christ beyond that is that he was invested In doing this, he had a commitment, a love for the Father. It wasn't just, I'm doing what he said according to the law. He did it because he loved it. He loved the Father. He loved the plan, and he wanted to do it. He wanted to present himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. That was point B. Point C. We are said to be rescued from this present evil age. Just like I was rescued from, the, from where I was. I was lost. We were rescued from this present evil age. And I'm using Colossians 1, 12 through 14 to talk about that. Colossians 1, 12 through 14 says, let's look at it. It says, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people. In the kingdom of light, for He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption and for the forgiveness of sins. So when I think about this, uh, this thought, this is this is God's doing. I know people think that they have rescued themselves by. Separating, separating themselves from the world and all of it. God is the one who did that for us. He rescued us from where we were in the kingdom of darkness under the rule of Satan, and He redeemed us to the kingdom of His dear Son. Right? This, this is what it says. We are now. We have a share in the inheritance with the with all of His holy people in the kingdom of light. So that that is the thought here. Uh, as we think about this, uh, it, it makes the most sense as we um, are thinking about how we free ourselves from the entanglements of this world. So first of all, God already did it. We're in Christ. He, he saved us. We're not in Adam anymore. And now he has brought us to the kingdom of his son. Now, it doesn't mean that we just sit there and don't do anything or have nothing to think about, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So it means that the objective for us is to respond to what our God has already done on our behalf. He has brought us into the kingdom of his Son, and now we should behave as those who are in the kingdom of his Son. It is not our works, what we have done. Like, I'm going to stop doing this and stop doing that. And that's why I'm not in the world anymore. No, God has already done it. He's rescued us. So positionally, we're not in Adam anymore. We're in Christ. That's the the point to make uh, when it talks about he's rescued us from this present evil age. And he did it. Let's keep going. Point number five. Galatians 1.5 says, To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And just a couple points about this. How often do we extol the glory of God? It's just a thought. I'm just thinking about it, right? How often do we think about this as we see in the scriptures? And I say, does, uh, does this language find its way into our daily lives? And I say it does if we read the scripture, right? So I'm going to turn to Jude 1, 24 and 25. We used to quote this after every church service. We don't do it today, but maybe we should institute that again. Jude uh, chapter 1, is only one chapter, 24 and 25. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence, without fault, and with with great joy. To the only God, to, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. So when we read verses like that, it lifts us to another place. It helps us appreciate who God is and appreciate his majesty and who we are in relation to him I mean the fact that he would call us unite us to the person of his son that there would be glory spoken of in the same sentence as our our names is amazing so I think reading the word of God lifts us out of Often our own thoughts of you know the mundane things of this world, and I love to see this as a part of what He has done for us. Point B: uh, When we understand glory, it is an acknowledgement and recognition of the eternal plan. We wouldn't be here if this glory is not due them. So, what we're saying is, Father, we recognize this plan. Uh, we wouldn't be here. No one would be here. Creation wouldn't be here were it not that God wanted this glory. I'm turning to John chapter 17 for this thought, uh, verses 5 and 10. We covered this, as you know, 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory. I had with you before the world began. And then if you pair that with verse 10, all I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. So notice, you see verse five, how the father is going to glorify Christ, like he said, with the glory he had with us before the world began. Well, how's he going to do it? How's that going to be accomplished? It is... And glory has come to me through them. It's the Father's plan that brings this glory. We discussed this in detail, but uh, again, these words are used in greeting. And If we just think about just the greeting, we didn't even get into the, the thrust of, and the purpose of writing Paul has already given us a doxology about who God is, about salvation, reconciliation, peace, and, and grace, uh, already all throughout the greeting that is rich with the extolling, the glory and majesty of God. So we're going to move on to now um, Galatians 1, 6. We're, we're pressing on. And this is 1, 6 through 10, and I just termed this, this section another gospel with a question mark there. Galatians 1, 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So just that one verse uh, Paul says, I am astonished. And so the word there means to wonder by implication, to admire, admire, have an admiration, or marvel, wonder. So I think marvel, or I like the NIV's thought. Uh, I'm really looking at it from the standpoint, I am astonished. Wow, I'm amazed with with wonder, with Wow! How could this? But then he turns that word to a negative stance when he talks about how they have turned from the gospel of grace. So Paul is amazed; he's, he's filled with wonder. But like, how could you do that? Right? It is not just used as a, a positive in a positive sense, but it is like I'm shocked. I'm a, shocked and amazed. Right? in that kind of sense he's using it because of the negative now if i looked at this word uh through in the greek a little bit and i've looked at how it's used in other parts of scripture and it is used in a sense of marveling and wow jesus performed a miracle and they were all amazed oh, well then this this it's used this word you know i've looked at several uses of it and it is used in a more of a positive sense Sense, but in this verse, we must say it is used in a negative sense, And which um, is better translated. I am astonished. So, astonished gives some leeway to think. Okay, wait a minute. Uh, I'm I'm amazed and astonished, but not in a positive way, but in a negative way. I'm shocked. So, so that that's the thought of point A. Point B, that you are so quickly deserting. So apparently Paul is surprised how fast the Galatians have turned from grace to works, law. And we're gonna get to what, what do you mean by works? And obviously works of the law, not just works in general, because it's very specific what the Galatians were doing even though we haven't gotten to it in the book yet. And when we get to it, we will discuss it in greater detail. But you should know that he's talking about the law here and aspects of the law. And we will get into it in more detail. You know circumcision is going to be a big part of it. But there's more, more than just circumcision. Circumcision was the tip of the iceberg of what these people were trying to um, get the Galatians to be under Their authority. As the story unfolds, we can see the danger of it being termed, turning to a different gospel. So notice, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Interesting. That's how Paul is seeing what happened to the Galatians. So, He sees, first of all, he sees the Galatians as saved. We don't want them to think, you know, I don't think Paul wants us to think that he sees the Galatians as lost. But he sees them, because he gave them the gospel. He sees them as believers in Christ. So turn to a different gospel. For them to turn means they were already on the right foot. And they turned off of that to a different gospel. They were already believed the gospel. Now they're somehow turning to a different gospel. We're, we're going to have to give that more thought, but since this is an overview, I'm sure we're going to cover it in greater detail when the issues that they were focused on comes up. Point C. Notice it is not about salvation, but it is about living by grace. So you're going to see that people who have merged the salvation thought with living the Christian way of life thought. This is how we see things in our age. We have talked about the fact that how they have merged the two. Right, Salvation is living the Christian way of life. If you fail at the Christian way of life, you fail at salvation. If you fail at salvation, you fail at living the Christian way of life. Right. So this is how people today see it they see it as one objective and it is for them to live up to what God has uh, termed salvation so paul calls it a different gospel so point c is not about salvation it was about living by grace point d not only is sal- not only is salvation by grace but it follows that our lives in christ are also by grace. So we'll, we'll talk about that, and there's an example that's going to come up with Peter. So Peter doesn't see people coming over the horizon and say, Oh, oh people are approaching here that are of the law and focused on, you know, keeping the law and their separation between Jews and Gentiles. So he, he doesn't say, Oh, did you know? No, he didn't talk about salvation. But his conduct. Bears on salvation by grace, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into it in more detail in chapter two when when we get to that point. So uh, just know it it is a it is about living by grace. So um, <clears throat> point E, a different gospel. So I, I put the question mark before you know when we started talking about this another gospel well well, there is no other gospel I mean the world may come up with a gospel but it's not good news it's not from God there's not two ways to be saved one for Gentiles and one for uh, people who are Jews Or is not as some hyper dispensationalists have said that oh gospel of grace is only for us, but everybody else they had to keep the law. I mean, some of that just does not even make any sense. How would anybody be saved under the law when none of nobody was ever saved by keeping the law, as we have seen in Romans three twenty. Therefore by the works of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight so it's about grace so there is no other gospel i like the thought when paul is saying well he's going to say it in the next verse it's perverted to think otherwise when there's really no gospel at all so let's read it i think that's where we are point number two galatians 1 7 which is really no gospel at all, which is my point. There is no such thing as another gospel. Paul is clarifying, turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Some points here that we need to focus on. Obviously, we're starting to get into some of the reasoning here point A some people so we will see more about these people who are insisting that the Galatians adhere to the Mosaic law and we know acts 15 that the greatest controversy in the in the early church we say the first century the early church the greatest controversy was the transition and change from the dispensation that was Israel to the dispensation of grace. We call it grace because uh, I think it's called that the administration of God's grace which was given to me for you, Paul says. <clears throat> so to that transition was not God just telling people, hey by the way, uh, I have changed maybe, maybe you didn't see it, but I've changed. No, this change was accompanied by God demonstrating it through signs, wonders, and miracles. I mean, if there was ever a flashing light to tell us, hey, warning, here's where I'm going, God did that. Not only through the resurrection of Christ, but from even the apostles uh, were doing signs, wonders, and miracles to demonstrate that this is not just their opinion. This is the power of God. And so... There was no excuse. We, we are left with no excuse when it comes to which is the proper direction. So the ones who were insisting that the Mosaic law was still in force was out of stubborn disobedience and resistance to the Holy Spirit. That's what we ought to see that as, resisting the spirit of truth. So, some people, as we said, in acts fifteen one through five we see what we call the Jerusalem Council, where I can't believe that the church did this, but they did it. and I think it's a matter of transparency that we see that there were issues in the early church and and how it was handled early on we We should see that, but it it went on. this was a the reality they had to. Even with all the evidence that we have, they still needed this. Point B. There were variations of those who believe the big lie. We're going to have to discuss that. However, uh, I think we're going to hold this until next week. Because we, while we have, uh, in, we're into the seventh verse already, uh, we need to take some time now as some of these points are becoming uh, foundational for the understanding of the Galatians, the whole book. So we're not going to rush through it. We'll we'll get to uh, these verses next week. But I think we've covered decent ground, certainly. Um, And uh, I think so far the introduction is, we're, we're now into the meat of the matter for the Galatians, so we're at least through that. And uh, so I think this is a good place to stop because we're going to turn this corner. So let's bow our heads as we continue next week. God willing, we'll be here. We'll continue this overview of the book of the Galatians. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity we've had now to study the book of Galatians, to refocus our attention on these important matters. We thank you that uh, we have your word preserved for, for us. we can freely look at these things and focus, study to show ourselves approved and and to keep our focus on what is the most important thing in our lives. We thank you for those who have joined and Father, as we continue to, uh, we pray for condolences for Brenda's family and the loss of a loved one. Uh, Father, we're, we're lifting that family up even now in our prayers, asking for comfort and healing and well-being for that family as they mourn the loss of their loved one. And Father, we, we pray that you will watch between us as we are going to and fro about this week asking that you will protect us as we navigate these dangerous waters and bring us back next week. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.